Hello, it's time for For Your Reconsideration, the film chinwag Utanani that chats the old, the recent and the new on an evergreen quest to unearth erroneously dismissed gold. I'm Rob and here are Simon and James. How are you boys? I'm great, mate. I'm great. Very well, thank you. <laughs> it's a bit mouthful, that one. <laughs> hey, you did well. You sound like an old vaudevillian. <laughs> <laughs> I am wearing spats as we Lovely. speak. <laughs> Are you both okay? It's another Saturday night record. Last time we did this, it was all bets were off. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not as pissed this time round. I was absolutely <laughs> shit faced last time we did the Saturday night record. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, so, what have you chaps been watching this week? Oh, right. So, this week, I'm going shilling for Jeff Bezos because both of my recommendations are Amazon exclusives, here in the UK, at least. So, the first thing I want to shout out is Palm Springs. So, uh, this movie achieves everything it sets out to do. Uh, it's a sharply written and quietly thoughtful slice of time loop comedy that boasts likeable turns from both pod favourite Andy Samberg and Kristen Milioti, who I wasn't familiar with at all before this. Apparently she's in How I Met Your Mother, uh, but she's really, really good in this. Honestly, I had an absolute hoot with this movie and it was refreshing to watch a good mainstream comedy that is aimed at adults, uh, as there aren't many of those knocking about these days. When was the last time you watched a really good Comedy that was sort of aimed at, an, at older people. Older people. Also. Can't really remember. I mean, I don't know what day it is. <laughs> yeah, like, that's true. Not yeah. Obviously, ask. not a lot has come out, but it, it it seems to me that like like when we were maybe 10 years or so ago, there were so many comedies being churned out by studios and they just don't seem to make them at all anymore. Maybe they just had too many tanks on their hand or there aren't enough comedy stars potentially but this one was really really good and i would very much recommend it it's very clever very funny and andy sandberg's in it so what more could you want really yeah, it's on my list for sure yeah i, I heard that Ga- game night was a good comedy game night is good game night's really game good night actually yeah good. yeah is it a straight comedy though, or has it got other elements? Yeah, it's um, it is it's it's more comedic than anything else, but it is it's got like sort of light thriller elements as well and mystery elements. It's really good, and Jesse Plemons is in it as well. <laughs> Lovely. It's really fucking cool as well. Like it's really in terms of how it's made, it's way way better than it deserves to be as a yeah. comedy. Oh, cool. Thing. It's like it's so adventurous if, with how they shot it. It's well good. Nice. Yeah, game night's great. And uh, oh, then the other one I wanted to... Uh, oh, sorry, sorry, go on. I'm sorry. No, no, sorry. I was just doing that bit where um, Rachel McAdams goes, oh, no, he dies <laughs> when he falls into the... Uh... Sorry, spoilers. I don't want to... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I did say I've not seen it. So, great. Sorry, Jack. <laughs> it's all right. No, no problem. <laughs> so the second one I wanted to shout out. So I've been going through as many of the Best Picture nominees for the Oscars, uh, and I landed on Sound of Metal, uh, which is a powerful drama in which Riz Ahmed, who I absolutely love, delivers a complex magnetic performance as a troubled heavy metal drummer who can, uh, must contend and learn to live with the loss of his hearing. Uh, the success of this film rests almost entirely on Ahmed's shoulders and he's more than capable of carrying the weight. It's the best performance of his career so far and he's fully deserving of his Oscar nomination. Also, if you're into sound design slash editing... This is the picture for you. They do absolutely exquisite work in this. It's really, really good. Really? 
Um, yeah, so another excellent movie. I've got three more of the best pictures to get through before the Oscars start, although I don't think one of them will be available in the UK prior to the ceremony. Wow. I mean, good effort, man. Yeah, we, we've kind of had like a, a deluge of like top draw award movies just falling this week, haven't we, in England? Yeah. Because for whatever reason, licensing, I assume, they just weren't able to come out. But yeah, I, I caught um, Sound of Metal as well. James and it's just so it's just so good. Yeah. It it would be well deserving if Riz Ahmed walked away with the award. I don't think he'll get it, but it, it would be well deserved. And yeah, as you say, the, the 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 sound design is just amazing. It's like um such a clever use of a clever use of sound sound design and the manipulation of audio post-production techniques which just really pulls you into the life of someone who has to deal with that condition of like a loss of hearing. And rarely does sound really get put to the forefront of a movie. It's usually sort of something what trickles along in the background, supporting the images. But it's sort of the inverse of that for this, and it's it's it it's all about the sound. It's just really good. It is a it's a very very good film, and it looks amazing. It's very beautifully shot as well. Yeah, and yeah, Riz Ahmed's great. There's just so much anguish and pain and hopelessness behind his eyes throughout the whole film. It's just really. Yeah, it's a it's a great great movie. He can do the lot, and I think in another year he would have been maybe the front runner mm. to win. I think obviously Chadwick Boseman's really good in Ma Rainey's, and obviously with him passing as well, it seems that appropriate for uh, to be to give him the Oscar. He deserves it as well. It's not just because it's posthumous, but yeah, it's not like a token, is it? Yeah, it does seem like he's a shoe in to to win that win that award, and rightfully so. Um, but yeah, Riz Ahmed was really good. Really, really good. Yeah, it is. It is um, amazing. So yeah, that that was the first one I sort of hit on my list of of Oscar films to watch, and yeah, it's it's well worth it. Well worth a watch. I also rewatched on the anniversary of uh, the Titanic sinking, um, which is on the uh, eve of my missus's birthday. She 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 always remembers that's when the Titanic sank because it's the day her birthday's the day before. So we sat down and managed to reserve three long hours to watch uh, Jim Cameron's epic. Oh, how does it hold up? I haven't seen it since it came out. But when I first watched it, I it was on the day of I, we were helping my dad's friend's family move into their new house, and it was at the end of the day, and it was like everyone sat on boxes, and it's like this little crappy, tiny CRT TV on a chair. And we watched the VHS of Titanic, so that's you know <laughs> as as Jim Cameron intended, uh, no doubt. Uh, to watch it eating a curry on a box in on a tiny, tiny portable. It does sound amazing in a way, but I, I haven't seen it since then. I mean, it's good, it's good, but there are parts of it which I haven't held up very well for me. No less the. Uh, horrendous ADR in it is terrible. I don't know whether it might have been, I mentioned it to a friend though. I was just like, the ADR is atrocious. And he was like, are you sure like the sink wasn't out on your telly? And it, it may have been, it, but it, it was just really jarring. And it's a bit awkward how Leo looks about 12 years old. Yeah, that's, that's a concern. <laughs> that's a me. bit awkward. But it's a well-made film. It's a well-put-together yeah, film. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And, I was surprised, actually, the things I liked most about it were the romance bits. I didn't really care for the crashing of it all, the sinking of the ship. I kind of preferred the romantic bits. I was like, it all felt a bit dragged out, the the, the ship going down. And Paxton was in it, which I totally forgot. Yeah. It's great. Always great to see Paxton. 
with his frosted tips. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely, beautiful man. Watching it again now, Sai, you know, like after, because I've not seen it since, well, yeah, since I think when it came out uh, on home release. 1997! <laughs> yeah! My memory of it was two things, right? Uh, one, it's essentially an old lady uh, narrating how she went forever macking on a doomed <laughs> boat. Basically, yep. yeah. yeah. Does that still ring true, roughly? Yeah. So she, it's it's just where Paxton's trying to find this diamond, and this woman comes forward and says, like, "Oh yeah, that's my diamond." They find the draw, the the Rudy Doody uh, picture <laughs> <laughs> from the, of, of Kate Winslet. That's what they find, and then this brings this eighty-four-year-old woman to tell the story of how she fell in love with Leonardo DiCaprio. But it, I think it's like you know, it's like Avatar in the same way. Like at the time, obviously makes waves as the the biggest and best film most adventurous film yes. ever made at the time but then 10 years down the line 15 years down the line it's going to be a bit dated in the same way avatar is i think it's quite similar to that it's a good thing he's not making 15 sequels to that isn't it well, <laughs> is i don't think anyone is is has been ever like show the least amount of interest in a bunch of sequels than the Avatar ones. Does anyone care, <laughs> apart from Cameron himself? The only person who cared about those sequels was Sam Worthington's agent. Like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> Let's go! Let's go! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, the, the, other, the other thing I wanted to ask about Titanic, uh, Si, was um, was there still as much room, spare room, on that door, as I remember, for Jack to well, get alongside Rose? Rob, it's an issue of buoyancy, and this is what people uh, can't struggle with. Yeah, it's, not about, it's not about surface area, it's about the buoyancy of the door. So if Jack would have got... Because it actually happens at the... When they do both try and jump on the door, but it sinks a bit, and then he goes, right. oh, I can't, we both can't get on it, and that's why he gets off. What, do it in shift? Do it in shift? <laughs> so all, all these internet memes of uh, them drawing around the door and the space and stuff, it doesn't... <laughs> It doesn't work. It's about boiling. Doesn't hold water. <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah, just, I mean, just like five minutes on, five minutes off. Wait till the ships come. <laughs> yeah. Why one of you die when both of you could? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, oh dear. She's near, she's quite dead when they find her. If I <laughs> yes, she's she's but she's minutes away. But it is. I mean, it was. I do remember it being hilarious. He's like. You know, I'll never let go. I'll never go. Right, see it. It's gone. You know, like, right, that's it. You know, I uh, think she, she physically like snaps his frozen hand away from her own to let him go <laughs> because he's, oh, really? he's dead. Well, no, I mean, sorry, I'm probably butchering the ending of this film and sort of cherry picking the bits at the time that I only remember. But um, yeah, it, it's internet culture, Rob. It's poisoned your brain over the years. It probably has. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the ending <laughs> is not actually what happens, but uh, <laughs> it, I'm glad I watched it again on a proper telly. Um, Coolies. But, uh, Lovely, um, also, you know, archaic CGI faces as well during one scene, which is hilarious. <laughs> like just <laughs> pasted on faces just as they run nice. down. Two stunt nice. doubles run down a corridor. It's really funny. Anyway, what have you been watching, Rob? What have you been watching? Uh, I've, uh, it's been um, a very, very uh, busy week, so I've barely watched anything. I watched, sat down with the children tonight and said, um, movie night, kids, what are we having? Uh, and we cycled through the entire of the, the family section on Netflix before 
they all start, you know, and there was lots of bickering, like, not that, I want that, no, not that, not that, blah, 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 blah. And then they all shouted, yeah, yeah, that one, that one, that one. And it was um, Paul Blart. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, it's been a while, it's been a while since old Paul Blart has had a mention. So, yeah, no, we we watched Paul Blart one, um, (laughs) like, with no stops, the kids absolutely riveted, they flipping love it. Um, Like, um, and I'm, like, watching it, you know, like, because the last time I watched a a Paul Blart picture was... uh, was um the second one and in this one um it's announced in the second one that uh, at the very beginning that the love interest from the first one they did get married um in between movies one and two oh, spoilers and... <laughs> <laughs> well, i'm gonna watch it tonight i'm so sorry and and she left she left him you know like within a week of the marriage you know that kind of thing and it totally relegates the entire point of the love angle in the first movie because well, obviously, as a Paul Blart aficionado, you know that it ain't going nowhere, baby. You know that kind of thing. So I couldn't care about yeah. it. But um, then again, you know. I have a question, Rob. Is that yes. similar to when uh, Newton Hicks are just dead at the beginning of Alien 3? He's like, right, forget it then. <laughs> it's yes. on the same level. <laughs> Pointless. Yeah. Relegates the, yeah, there's zero resonance to the first film now. So, um, yeah. I mean, again, that's Alien and this is... <laughs> Paul Blart, <laughs> Mulcop. <laughs> I still enjoy, you know, watching Kevin James fall over will always be funny. So we can always enjoy that. Um, so this week is the second week of our of the FYR rainy season. Oh yeah, <laughs> and which you guys, our faithful listeners, uh, picked for us. And in preparing for tonight's film, I came up with a question this week. I'm slightly disappointed you haven't asked James, actually, even though you yourself came <laughs> I usually do, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just like, right, I did it. That was a hearty laugh from me then, you know. So my daughter's bedroom is above where we record. And, um,. I always say to her, you know, like, I'm sorry if I kept you up last night, lovey. And she said, don't worry about it. <laughs> Just an impression of me. <laughs> Absolutely rinsed by your first Absolute born. service from my 10-year-old. <laughs> anyway, um, there was um, oh, yeah, arguably two performances, but definitely one performance in this film that is, oh, it's out there. It's, it's swinging for any and all available fences. So I'd like to ask you guys, about performances in movies, your favourite performances in movies that went above and beyond the expected Call of Duty, like where this is the kind of performance where not just the audience got more than they bargained for, but so did the entire production staff <laughs> and crew of the movie. So, yeah, what springs to mind? I wouldn't say it was necessarily a favourite, but one that always springs to mind for me is Jim Carrey in Man on the Moon, in which Jim Carrey takes method acting to its most irritating. Uh, He basically becomes Andy Kaufman for this movie, which is a perfectly fine, if unspectacular, biopic that chronicles the life and career of the late comedian. Basically, he drove everyone on the set insane. Jerry the King Lawler, who's in that movie, wanted to hurt him. Milos <laughs> Foreman almost had a breakdown. And at the end of it, did he get the Oscar nomination that he was clearly going for? No. No, he didn't. And the fantastic <laughs> thing about this is 
There's a Netflix documentary that chronicles all of this. Jim and Andy, you've got to watch this if you haven't seen it before. It will blow your mind. It will really put you off Jim Carrey. (laughs) But most of all, you'll just find yourself saying, what, he did all that for Man on the Moon? (laughs) (laughs) That is incredible. My one's probably not necessarily the actor, but everyone involved, actually, was in... uh, We mentioned him just previously in Titanic, but uh, Leo DiCaprio, when he was in clambering desperately for his for his Oscar um for the Revenant. Oh, and yeah. it just looks like you watch that film and it just looks like every single person involved in that film just went through the ringer for their art. And Leo is just in particular is just absolutely desperate to get that Oscar and he's willing to put himself in harm's way to get it. Not that he actually got mangled by a bear, but uh, <laughs> by the by the um just by the elements and it it just looks horrendous in that film, and it, you just feel you really feel it. Um, and then Tom Hardy, who also in that film, who should have got way more than he actually did for he he was brilliant in that film. He Tom was Hardy. excellent in it, wasn't he? Um, but another Tom Hardy performance, Bronson. Oh yeah, he's off his rockers in it. It's just insane. Like, and I just don't think that film would have got. You know, it's not it's not a huge film by any stretch, but I don't think it would have got as famous or as sort of at least on a cult level a following if it wasn't for Tom Hardy's performance and arguably put Nicholas Winding Refn on the like global map in terms of of his sort of credibility um, and I think he owes a lot of that to Tom Hardy and his just bonkers bonkers performances um, as Bronson. Nice nice I just on Hardy um, I thought his um, the Welsh accent he did in Lock. Amazing. <laughs> like, what Absolutely a show, brilliant. Like, that was a, definitely a swing for the fences moment. Like, what? What? I don't like Tom Hardy on the whole for that. And that film is the top of why I don't like Because his accent's <laughs> just, what's he going to do? He sounds Indian in that film. He doesn't sound Welsh. Like, what is he doing? <laughs> it's a ridiculous accent. I, I, I had to look what accent it was, in fairness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's horrendous. You know that as well that he rocked up on it because it's all night shoots. He's just driving a car for the entire film and he ro- rocked up and told the writer-director, Stephen Knight, you know, right, we're going to go for a take now, Tom. All right, okay. You know, so take one, first shot, first movie of the whole movie. Oh, Steve, I'm going to do it in Welsh. What? The shit he's got like, Steve's got his head in his hands like... Can't tell him to stop, can we? We're going to have to go with it. Fine, fine. He's, he's A-list. He's A-list. Go for it. <laughs> he's worked with him again since. I'm sure it's fine. But... Yeah, he's idiot Peaky Blinders, didn't he? Yeah, he is. <laughs> but no, I've just heard some horror stories about Tom Hardy and I'm, I'm not a fan. Really? Oh, that's terrible. Uh, for me, I, I think about when I, when I think about actors that are going that extra mile, it's whether they know that they're in something that is that doesn't need it <laughs> you know and and they're they're going there um for reasons for their of their very own might i've no idea um or yeah they think they're going to do something that's groundbreaking and i find that balance really fascinating so um i absolutely love john voight in anaconda <laughs> like i don't know whether he thinks he's he's because he is elevating the material by being is he there. trying to be like puerto rican or something what, i don't know it? i think so he's just so but he's good. so great in it um and that is a, <laughs> such an underrated movie as well by the way um <laughs> certainly yeah. one for us to do 
It's definitely in our wheelhouse, isn't it? If only to talk, because doesn't he get swallowed whole by the anaconda and, and then puked and spat up. out? Yeah, and then, and then he <laughs> winks again, at yeah. J Lo. It's ab- <laughs> like when he's like partially digested. It's absolutely superb. What movie can deliver that and not entertain uh, you? Honestly, come on. Brits. Grow up, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, Freddie got fingered. Tom Green, he really swang for it in that Oh, my show. days. Isn't that commonly seen as the worst film ever made? It, it jolly is, yeah. yeah. The, other, the other film on my list, The Room, with I mean, Tommy Wiseau, <laughs> he also swung for certain fences in that movie. Jeez um, oh, Louise. Uh, but also, I think, like, someone who did it in a much more controlled fashion, was Rickman in Prince of Thieves. Oh, yes. oh yeah, very good yeah. in that. He, he, he did it in such a way that was so classy and was so such a great part of the movie that, yeah. But I can't, like, whenever I look at this question, we all have to bow down to the absolute Don here. And it's any performance by Cage ever, basically. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. He is the absolute Mac Daddy of going above and beyond in absolutely everything. The reason I ask this question is... Because, obviously, um, I don't know whether to say it now or say it later. What do you think? Well, James has got one more as well, hasn't he? But what is it? Yeah, so I agree with the cage take, but I think a pre-007 actor once put everybody on notice, (laughs) not least the residents of Taffin. What goes on in this town is none of your business. As long as I'm living here, it is. Then maybe you shouldn't be living here! (laughs) Where's his Oscar? (laughs) <laughs> oh, where is, where is his Oscar I feel bad now because I totally misunderstood the question I just thought it was someone who put their all into the performance not someone who went batshit absolute crook <laughs> during a, um... it's, uh, any, any, whatever your definition of above and beyond is Sorry, I think that's the one Yeah. well without further ado let's go straight into tonight's film um, There Be Dragons it's 2020 apparently. Um, <laughs> oddly only a year ago. <laughs> I always find that weird when films catch up to you know, nearly where you are in real life. Or you wasn't far off though, was it? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the 2020 of this film and the actual 2020 <laughs> look quite similar. I bet they felt quite similar. <laughs> a um, few dragons might have actually improved 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, it is the Christian Bale, Matthew McConaughey starring Reign of Fire. A creature has been awakened that has lain dormant for millions of years. A species older than the dinosaurs and more terrifying than anything we could have imagined. How did they go from one to a million in less than a year? Evolved. They have great vision in the day. They have even better vision at night. Extremely intelligent. He's playing hunting. More like cat and mouse. Unbelievably powerful. Two glands in the mouth secrete separate chemicals. Combine an exhalation, natural napalm. One will protect them. We have to hang on. Work together. And one will lead them. There's nothing magical about it. They're made of flesh and blood. You take out their heart, you bring down the beast. We found out where they started. 
We're going to London. This summer, vertical one up. The plan is set. 1,600 yards, closing fast. The arsenal has been assembled. Get ready to rock and roll. Each other. They've got one chance to take back their world. Matthew McConaughey, Christian Bale. Reign of Fire. So, gents, Reign of Fire. 2002 is right in our wheelhouse. We were like, uh, what was I? I was 19. You guys would be what? 17? Uh, 16, 17, 16, yeah. 16, 16, 16, 16 17. Yeah. Cozy. Lovely age to be going to the cinema. So what's your relationship with this, uh, this fine movie? Yeah, so my relationship with this film is being hoodwinked by a poster and going to see it, essentially. <laughs> Have you seen the poster for this movie? <laughs> it is the biggest case of false advertising I have perhaps <laughs> ever seen. I'm looking at it right now, right? There are roughly 10 attack helicopters on this poster over London, which is on fire, and many dragons, and they're having dogfights in the sky. <laughs> How many times does that happen in this movie? Zero. <laughs> I mean... We're in, we're in London for a total of like 15 minutes as well. <laughs> uh, yes, very true. I seem to remember that being the whole case surrounding this film of the hype and the film not living up to the hype. I hadn't seen it, but my brother, when I told my brother we were doing this, he was convinced that we'd gone to the cinema to watch it. And I was like, Dad, I've never seen it. So like, yeah, you haven't. We went with our uncle and... We, we all watched it and we were all really confused why it wasn't the film that was advertised. And I was like, I, <laughs> did, I wasn't there, mate. I haven't seen it. D- d- you're thinking of someone else. Um, but yes, I, had, I hadn't I had seen it. So. Oh, so a fresh watch? Yeah, because the reason I hadn't seen it is because those who... I was, I was really looking forward to seeing it because of the poster, because of the trailer. Um, not so much the star power, because I don't think Bale was yeah. particularly big at the time. So it wasn't really... For that reason, it was just fucking post-apocalyptic dragon London. I was like, yes, this sounds <laughs> ace. But then when when I was sort of told how what a crushing disappointment it was from the people who'd seen it at the time, I was like, oh, don't worry, we'll see, you know. So I just never did. So um, it was it was good to be able to finally see it after all these years. Nice. I think that's very interesting, that, because I, I honestly never... I always thought the poster was ace. But it, it felt like a teaser post that was there to sell a concept and not the movie. The movie. Um, but you're right, there is such a huge disparity between the the movie and that poster. Um, in that, you know, um, why... It, well, it takes place in Northumberland. Why Why is the bulk, the bulk of this runtime at a desolate castle in Northumberland <laughs> when that's the movie you've advertised, a London dragon smackdown? You're absolutely right. I don't know. I think, honestly, this is like concept art and they've just whacked it on the poster because it's like, that looks well cool. Let's bang that <laughs> yeah, on the yeah. poster. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to, uh, entirely corresponding, I remember seeing the trailer in the cinema and thinking, goodness me, cannot wait for that business. I remember at the, uh, in the, uh, when I first saw the trailer thinking that the CGI was the best I'd ever... Like, impossible to get, like, get my head around how incredible that CGI was. And yeah, I went to the cinema and watched it then, and it was 
yeah, I enjoyed it, but not enough. Um, I was definitely more taken with the the songs on the <laughs> post credits <laughs> We'll get to it. We'll get to it. We've got yeah, a lot no, of ground know, to cover first. We had some comments from our listeners as well uh, about how they feel about this movie. So uh, Matthew Pickup, who's our pod dojo brother, I think he might have actually put this forward, to be honest. So mm. he said, prior to a couple of months ago, I'd only seen bits of it. But when I watched it properly recently, I really enjoyed it. I love the concept, uh, the look and feel of the film, uh, some good story ideas and performances. Uh, Anthony, uh, at Mr. Filmstock, such a great movie and so underrated. The action was crazy and intense. And I mean, when you have Christian Bale, Matthew McConaughey and Gerard Butler, my man, (laughs) in a movie together, it's a must watch. Uh, D.L. Marshall, I love it. Bale, Butler, McConaughey. Ravaged England, Tank, Landy. I don't know what that bit's supposed to be. (laughs) Star Wars, Amdram. It's an underrated gem. And then um, another comment from Darth Bruce. That poster is my main problem with it. I I agree (laughs) with you, Bruce. (laughs) (laughs) Poster's an absolute outrage. (laughs) I can't argue with any of that. So um, it must qualify. So budget and box office, James. Is that how we sneak this through the door? Reign of Fire was released 12th of July 2002 and was third at the US box office during its opening weekend, taking in $15,632,000 behind Road to Perdition and Men in Black 2. Uh, it went on to gross $43 million in the US and a further $39 million in other territories for a cumulative gross of $82 million. The film reportedly costs sixty million, and if you factor in worldwide marketing costs, it's probably closer to one hundred million. So it made a hefty loss in the end. Um, I get the impression as well this might be a double qualification because does it qualify through critical response as well, Si? Oh yeah! Oh, <laughs> whammy! Yes, I'm not actually sure we're prepared for the critical mauling this film received uh, on release back in 2002. Yes, large swathes of the US critical fraternity just went to absolute town on Reign of Fire, um, with many, many grumbles aimed at its lack of intelligence in the story. Sorry, sorry, I just can't get over the lovely expression. You know, many grumbles. (laughs) (laughs) It's so nice. Such a nice, essentially British phrase. Well, yes. (laughs) Uh, yes, there were there were there were these these grumbles, Rob. Uh, <laughs> a, a lack of intelligence in the story, uh, a cheesy script, and the overall silliness of it, uh, which made for forty two percent on Rotten Tomatoes and a lowly thirty nine on Metacritic. The worst of all the reviews, however, came from the Sharon himself, Mister <laughs> Mick Lasalle, who gave the film a big fat. Lonely Zero stars <gasps> He didn't even give it one <laughs> Didn't even give it He was furious The review is just fury uh, He he mainly rude the fact that we don't actually We didn't actually get to see The world fall to the dragons Like the, the fight between humans And dragons was completely just Just relegated to a front page Of Time magazine uh, Later in the yeah. film Another amazing piece of concept art as well <laughs> Yeah um, and and yeah, overall he sort of bemoaned the cheapness of how it all looked because you know he sort of felt like post-apocalyptic worlds are quite easy to shoot because you could literally film it anywhere. That is a bit dishevelled. 
Um, <laughs> not sure I agree with Mick on that, though, uh, personally, yeah. which we'll probably get to. Um, there were a few who saw some merit in the film, though, uh, with Richard Roper and Lisa Schwarzbaum, um, who appreciated its B-movie entertaining qualities um, and, yeah, just the overall funness of it all. And how it didn't get boring, there, both Richard Roper and the Schwarzman said, how it just wasn't boring. Oh, that's nice. Anthony Quinn of The Independent, um, who reveled in its silliness, saying um, it may actually appeal to your inner 12-year-old. Um, it kind of did a bit better in the UK, but overall it was just did not go down well. And everyone had the same quibbles. Grumbles. Grumbles. And it audience-wise wasn't any better on Rotten Tomatoes with 49%, but it scored a 6.1 6. on Metacritic, so a bit better where there were a few people who appreciated its mix of sci-fi and fantasy. We're back into the twos on Letterboxd, um, but it's on the higher end as it sits on 2.8 on Letterboxd. With some good reviews and some interesting takes, particularly of, of recent watches who have actually quite... Something I agree with immensely, actually, who actually enjoyed a post-apocalyptic world that wasn't ravaged by zombies and felt the dragon, you know, the dragon angle of a post-apocalyptic Britain was, was, was quite interesting to watch is is kind of the views I saw on Letterboxd. But yeah, not great on the whole. <laughs> Mick rained fire on this movie. <laughs> he definitely did. He did not like it at all. Oh my word. Well, the good thing is we love the sheriff and we always respect him. Oh yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Well then, that's very interesting. Um, to go into the movie itself, uh, to sort of, let's say, to drift towards the movie itself, um, immediately I was excited to see that, and I was excited in 2002, to see that it was directed by Rob Bowman of X-Files fame. As a X-Files fan, always enjoyed his episodes on the show. Um, so I was, yeah, and he obviously did the movie as well. So yeah, really excited to see what he what he did with this. Um, and they shot it in Ireland, I believe. Yes. Mm. Yeah, which explains some of the accents. <laughs> well, right. Let's discuss this. Let's right once and for all. Gloves are off. Right. The the movie opens in London. Yeah. And Quinn is a Londoner. Yes. Um, as evidenced by his his accent. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I'll kill ya! I'll kill ya! Um, and yeah. his and, and his top level bants with the builder lads on the building site of the. Uh... Uh, yes. Exactly. So when it all goes poop and dragons take over everything, why does he go to Northumberland and start a castle there? Well, he says it in that real the thing that Mick had a problem with, where you don't actually see any of the apocalypse. It's basically just newspaper cuttings with uh, VO, Uber it? Cockney yeah. uh, Christian oh, Bale yeah. VOing all over the shop. And he's like, everybody just left the big cities. I went and lived in countryside. Yeah. <laughs> Guy Ritchie, Christian Bale. We all had a babble in the countryside. <laughs> I got the impression that they were sort of pushed out from London. Yeah. It seems like this is where, in England at least, this sort of dragon invasion happened. That was the sort of epicentre of it. Yeah. And then maybe they just where they were shooting, they were like, where does this look like? Uh, (laughs) Stick a pin in it, still where where it could be. Do you think, I think this could be a little bit of um, American filmmakers not really knowing a great deal about the geography of the British Isles. And this happens here in the UK in its own publishing industry as well, which doesn't seem to know a great deal about the British Isles and the proximity between places. So later on, um, McConaughey's Van Zandt comes down and says, we just arrived outside of Manchester. 
<laughs> and then and then we just took a tank across. So what? <laughs> I mean, at the, the that's like at the rate you guys were going, that's a nine hour drive. <laughs> you must have been, you know, like battling dragons this whole way. I don't understand what is going on. Where Absolutely are you getting exhausting. your fuel? Where's this fuel? For a chopper! And all your army of motorbikes, where's your fuel coming from? It's, uh, uh, yeah, I don't. <laughs> I, I didn't have a problem with that because. If it was in America, say, and it's like, oh, we're going from yes, I, I totally agree. L.A. to Detroit or something, you'd be like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, this is insane. But with East England, it's like you can you can get from the bottom end of England to the top end in less than a day. So well, and course, because it's I, the yeah, it's just like, yeah, all right, I'm fine, I'm all right with that. And and it was just really crisp hearing McConaughey go Manchester. It, that was very crisp. He can get away with anything then. That's fine. You know, the fact that he knows about, like, our kind of home home patch. <laughs> so nice. That Manchester line is just it's just a, a screenwriting take for pretending that you've done your research about the yes. geography of the yeah, UK. It's just like, pick a random city in the is. north. Like, there we go, bosh, done. Serious, 100% is. Um, yeah. Um, or it's a nod like sometimes I do it all the time in books like a nod to someone who I know lives somewhere near <laughs> where they could have gone so you know like yeah we'll make a little nod to someone there you know so there's a little easter egg in the book or the movie for people to enjoy yeah. I don't know but anyway let's go into the movie itself we open up in present day London and there's a lovely building site <laughs> it's all happening oh no one's got a consideration for safety there's like wander no. on a building site no, no. with no helmet you know don't no, give him no a hard, hard hat is uh just this the, the most vulnerable person on the entire on the entire site just allowed just to use lifts in. by himself yeah, yeah no problem. just to go underground it's absolutely fine uh, bonus points if you know his last name quinn's last name oh, oh. i didn't catch that quinn abercrombie Oh, give over! Good, good name. The names are pretty good in this film, they aren't they? Oh, good, yeah. But how would you get Quinn Abercrombie? <laughs> Imagine being a cockney called Quinn Abercrombie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good name. <laughs> so Quinn's going to see his mum on a subterranean building site, and he's cracking wise like he's a compare at a comedy club, basically, <laughs> like doing crowd work with all the guys who are giving him rinse on the way. He's, he's got a, like his tight two minutes, hasn't he? <laughs> He's giving it out to everyone. He's There's got about he's... five or six jokes, isn't there? Where he's like, he's like, mm. oh, do you want to do a fuck, mate? Oh, I'll give him up long ago, mate. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. It's dead banter. It's absolutely dead <laughs> it's banter. Been... But is this like, are the American audience at this point, it's like, wow, this is a different world. <laughs> is this how they talk? Yeah. <laughs> This is real England, Rob. This is the real England. Yeah, this is real England, yeah. This is not Manchester. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, how silly this is. This kid lowers himself down like hundreds of yards into the earth to meet his mum, who's um, doing this crisp thing with some, like, ice nitrogen thing on the on the beers chilling beers with her and she's yeah. giving everyone a can for the ride home that's awesome that's that's a boss right there she's a great boss yeah yeah love all that stuff but they yeah so they've opened up some uh, what they say is a vacuum and um <laughs> then Jimmy or whatever his name is 
tells the lad, Quinn, to go in and have a look. What? I mean, this is flame-grilled in here, so... <laughs> this... Literally. <laughs> Quinn's mum needs striking off. It's a good thing the apocalypse happens, right, because she would not have a job Monday morning because this is an absolute disgrace. It's a health and safety nightmare, this entire building site. There's alcohol on tap. There's kids going in to inspect vacuums in underground players. <laughs> yeah. It's outrageous with no hard hat on. Hey, well, and but he goes into this chamber, and this is one of the coolest scenes I think. Um, where because and uh, what whenever you're in a real world setting, and then something utterly fantastical happens, I always really dig that big time. Mm. And it's a precursor to later on. But there's the fluid drops from the ceiling, and it lights as it falls, and that lights up the cavern enough for him to see up in the rafters. There's a face up there, and there's a dragon that. Um, changes size a lot in this film. <laughs> he can figure into any hole that the movie needs him to fit into. <laughs> <laughs> Including plot holes. Yes. <laughs> uh, and yeah, this, this dragon is woken up. Now, I assume this is the same dragon at the end of the movie. Is that, is that right? It is. And yeah. that's the implication, yeah. Very lucky, isn't it? But this is it. It's throwing up so many questions. Like, was he just chilling behind this wall while this building site is going on around him? Like, this is not a new... This is a big dig that's been going on here, isn't it? It's not just happened today. Is he just like, oh, I hope they don't drill through here. <laughs> Still trying to get me 40 winks. <laughs> if I just stay quiet, they won't hear me. Yeah. He's the oh, victim. They're, they're crashing into his house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, the dragon blows the place to absolute bits. Yeah. There's that very cool shot of the lift going up, up back. Oh, good. The little boy's got someone in a lift with him at last. Good. And as it's pulling up, the dragon comes up the shaft alongside it, which I always thought was extremely cool. Um, and I don't really know what happens, but Quinn's mum dies. Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't get how she died. I didn't really understand that bit, but she did. She got squashed or something. I don't know. Yeah, PG-13 sort of action happened and she was killed by the <laughs> by the dragon to set up the drama. Yes. Basically, yeah. um, because what we need for this dragon story is an element of revenge. Yes. And so Queen like, sees his mum get killed in front of him. He's like, Mam? 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 He turns away. Um, Suppose I'm making my own tea tonight, then. (laughs) 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 One thing I will say about this film is that I agree with you about the um, the the shot of the dragon making its way up the um, up the elevator shaft. And I will say that the CGI in this, considering it's 2002, it's not too bad at all, you know. Yeah, no, it's actually it's all right. I agree. When you look at the reviews of the time, so many people are going, oh, the CGI is rubbish. And you watch it now, you're like, it's really not. The only thing that's a bit ropey is the fire on one or two bits when it's like mm-hmm. going through yeah. tunnels. Not when it's coming out of the dragons. That looks wicked because it's like, it's kind of like ha- one side is petrol and the other side is the fire which lights it which is just cool as fuck and then um yeah the dragons look really solid they look yeah. they look really good no worse than game of thrones that was like no, 10 yeah, or 15 totally. years after this point so yeah i thought the i because I, I was expecting that to really clang when i was watching it given how old mm. the film is but i think they they're clever 
they don't do too many CGI close-ups. They keep it quite wide, and it's quite a yeah. dark movie in terms of its, it's quite murky, isn't it? Because a lot yeah. of the fog and smoke sort of covers. Because you, most of the time, it's the silhouettes of dragons, isn't it? You don't see the detail that much, and I think that's where they were quite clever with sort of knowing where their limits were and where their ceiling was. But yeah, there's nothing, you know, save say for instance, like uh, Relic, say, when you're like, oh yeah, it looks a bit shonky. You know, it's missing a few render passes uh, in in like certain a couple of scenes in that. But this, I don't think, I don't think you, it was the, the same sort of problems. Um, I know Relic was before this. No, but... I thought it looked perfectly fine to yeah. be honest. No, I'd agree. Um, lovely link for us all here is that um, it was Artem special effects that did the effects for Rain of Fire, and they also did the special effects for Cal Strathy's Dark Encounter. Did ah. wow, nice. So I was confused whether this was a UK, was a British film or not. Like, it's an American director, isn't it? Yeah. It's produced by Richard D. Zanuck, who produced Jaws. So that's very much uh, an American producer. Yeah, yeah. Um, And yeah, and it's a spyglass movie. It's probably hard. They've probably got the financing from America, but then it's probably crude and a lot of the production is actually... UK based or Ireland yeah. based mm. as it as it was Ireland, yeah, because a lot of the cast are British aside from McCartney. McCartney. Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> soiree. You're a joyless soiree. <laughs> from this uh, opening uh, banter bus of the builder and the kid. <laughs> it, it's just backstory bonanza then, isn't it? And it's a lot of like crossfades of yeah. magazines and newspaper clippings and News bulletins of they ate us everywhere. Yeah, they killed us. They burnt everything. I love Cockney Bale. I really love it when because because he's is he Welsh Christian Bale? I think so. Yeah, and he's not really got an accent because he's been in acting since he was about twelve. Yeah, so yeah. he's not got an accent. But I do love it when he puts on his Cockney one. <laughs> it's one of my favourite ones. It's, it's so <laughs> rare you hear his actual British accent uh, because. Yeah, as you say, I think he's got a touch of the Charlie Hunnam's going on in the sense that he's been working in America for so long and he stays in character and stays in accent yeah. so long that his own accent has just really got all twisted up in the various characters that he yeah. does. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's very Bob Hoskins, his Cockney it. accent. <laughs> but yeah. oh, this this voiceover is absolutely wild. There's all sorts going on during this apocalypse. They find out that these dragons wiped out the dinosaurs, apparently. <laughs> A <laughs> lot of R&D going on, given that the world is literally on fire. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of newspaper cuttings. Not everyone just running for their lives. <laughs> Every civilization that died out was because of the dragons, not, 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 who just went into Insane. hiding until more They're just food kicking. came available. Yeah. Yeah. Kipping for millions of years, <laughs> just waiting to come back, just chilling in the tube. So basically... If- <laughs> If Christian Bale's mother hadn't been in charge of that dig, they'd still be asleep. <laughs> the tunnel had never gone through there. They start the apocalypse. I, I probably missed it during this uh, expositional five minutes because <clears throat> it was quite fast-paced. There was a lot going on. It was a big information dump, to be fair. It was, yeah. <laughs> I didn't really understand how it was a worldwide thing. Like, How, how did they all suddenly like, like wake up? around the world to take up or did they all just spring out of this nest in london and then fly out that's the impression i got was that it was yeah that this it started here so it has to finish here right yeah but i might be wrong i've got no idea <laughs> i don't know that would make a lot more sense that it was just this one sort of nest and then well they, they said there was one male 
that was in charge of delivering all the, you know, the... All them dragons! He's a horny dragon. <laughs> he doesn't have a problem with volume, does he? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he must be knackered! <laughs> That's why he sleeps for thousands of years. <laughs> Wakes up to forever back himself into hibernation again. <laughs> He's well and truly spent for a good millennia before he comes oh, back. Oh, bury me under the capital. I'm never doing that again. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, well, then we fade sort of back in. And, um, yeah, we're, it's Northumbria 2020. Society has gone oh, gone quiet, but but not Quinn. He's still digging under the ground. He's not yeah. lost the... Gyms are apparently still open. These people are living on burnt squash out in the, the flipping. Like they, they get a handful of veg a year. Uh, Absolutely hench bale. Tanked out and shredded. I don't. It's. Uh, the, the, there is no. There is no. Aside from the, the horses, there aren't any chickens. It's not like you're going to get protein there. I don't see any mass tuna. <laughs> fleets going out. <laughs> so where's it? Where? How can he sustain this physique? Do you know what happened? Basically, so Bale—he's a bit method, isn't he? Um, so Bale originally planned to be really skinny and scrawny for the film, figuring correctly that a post-apocalyptic landscape food wouldn't be so readily available. But when he showed up for filming and saw how bulked up McConaughey was, he, hit, <laughs> he basically hit the gym. That was it. He's like, I'm not being upstage because they have to fight later on, don't they? He's like, well, Uh, he'd absolutely cream me if I'm like Machinist Bale. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine if Machinist Bale was in the film. (laughs) Uh, So where is this in Christian Bale's like filmography? Is this sort of after American Psycho before Batman Begins? Yeah. And it's before The Machinist as well. So he's sort of in that sort of hinterland where he's established himself now as a as an adult actor. Because you always forget that he was a child actor to begin with. Yeah. So now yeah. he's a he's a legit adult actor. He's had a big hit with American Psycho. And I think he's just kind of trying to find his way as a leading man. So you have a lot of these sort of like mid-level action projects where they're trying to they're trying to break him as a star, yeah. essentially. Uh, so there's this and like equilibrium, which would be around the same sort of budget level. Yeah. Uh, and then it's there's a few of these up until 2006 when he when he gets the Batman gig. Mm. Um, he's 32 in this film. Yeah. Yeah. It looks about right. That's fair enough. Yeah. Makes me sick. Makes <laughs> me <Just> sick. <laughs> it just does make me absolutely sick. Along with Bale, there's a. Uh... One of James's favourites pops up. Didn't know he was in this film. Oh, my new fave. Good old Jerry Butler. I've seen this film and I totally forgot that my man Jerry B was in this movie. And so when his little cheeky face crops around, and again, his accent has been morphed by working in America so much, yeah. you get to hear the OG Jerry Butler Scottish yeah. accent. And it's lovely. And he's got that cheeky little wink in his eye. Oh, yeah. lovely stuff. He's great in this. That's what was great about Greenland, wasn't it? That he, he just did his Scottish accent. And it was like, yeah. oh, it's nice to hear his proper Aww. accent again. And not I really his... need to see that Greenland. It's maybe. great. Yeah, it's good. Um, but yeah, he's so fresh-faced in it and, and so young and, and yeah. happy and jolly. Before the weight of Hollywood crushed his spirits, he's, oh, he's ready to go. 
<laughs> Lovely hair on everyone, by the oh, way. Oh, absolutely. But they've got like this yeah. little camp set up, haven't they? So they're just in this castle and all the kids, there's loads of kids and loads of families and just, it's just like a stronghold from the dragons, isn't it? Add a, yeah, as a it... castle would be. And this is one of the things I do actually really like about this film and, and you get it more than this first half an hour before McConaughey rocks up is it all feels a bit medieval yes even though it's the future 2020 I mean but you know it's the future and it's this post-apocalyptic world but it feels like Robin Hood type medieval world um, the medieval land in Crystal Maze um, and it's just <laughs> Yes. And I do I do like that how it's you know it, it's a future but it isn't a future it's a one what's been dragged back centuries to this far past. Yes. Where they're riding horses and things like, like that. Like what like what you'd imagine a devolution of society would be like. Exactly, yeah. Devolution's a great word. And that that's what what it feels like in 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 England at least um in this first half hour uh, where they're just surviving in in the in in this castle. And then they do plays, don't they, for the kids, entertaining yeah. plays for the kids. Um, but because they know of, of the film, you know, presumably films, you, there's no tellies anymore, so they can't watch films. And they do uh, <laughs> Empire Strikes Back for the kiddies. It's so cool, isn't it? It's really good. I'd love so to see cool. the rest of that play, how that works out with, mm. with, with Bale and <laughs> Butler <laughs> in playing all the roles. What with, ba- with like Bale doing a handstand and Butler on his on like sat doing like being crouched on top of him like Yoda <laughs> on top of his feet. There is no try, only do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I when, like because then they prayed as well, don't they? They they make the kids oh, pray like, yeah. "What do we do when we sleep? We do it." So this is what the kids go to sleep with every night. So, what do we do when we are awake? Keep both eyes on the sky. <laughs> <laughs> what do we do when we sleep? Keep one eye on the sky. <laughs> You'd never sleep again. Well, mainly because it feels like Jonestown and you're going to get massacred. <laughs> it does. What do we do when we see them? Dig hard, dig deep. Go for shelter and never look back. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds so harrowing, James. <laughs> <laughs> I love your patented urchin voice. Yeah. So good. I'll tell you what, <laughs> if I was 20 years younger, I'd have been in this movie. Yeah. Did, did you see who was in this movie as a, as a wee I did. child? Yes. The front row, yes. being the little scamp. Um, Jack Gleason. Is that right? Yes, so Joffrey yes. Baratheon. Yeah, uh, he was in. He was in Batman Begins as well, wasn't he? He was. He yeah. Was he like Bale a little was. Christian Bale mascot that he took to films <laughs> yeah. and try and <laughs> get him, dig him a little his pocket. Like, <laughs> oi, Jack, do you want to be in Batman? I'm going to be Batman. <laughs> I want to be in Batman. What do you What do you do when we sleep, Jack? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, interestingly, uh, slight segue. I once got refused uh, for a drink in a pub. Because the barman swore that I was um, Joffrey Baratheon. And, um, <laughs> I was not allowed because of my scandalous behaviour uh, in an episode of Games of Games. You look absolutely nothing like Joffrey Baratheon. I don't now, but I think 2000, yeah, 2002 surf hair version of me would have done. <laughs> um, so when this happened in... I was with your dad, Si! 
It was at a pub when we were on a shoot. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was with your dad. Brilliant. Um, Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Unbelievable. Yeah, but Joffrey yeah. Baratheon's like, not being rude, he's like 15 to 20 years younger. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, yes. The years have been hard, James. Yeah. <laughs> Did you grow yes. up in a castle in Ireland? <laughs> Keep what I understand. <laughs> I thought that we could, like, if someone was going to play, you know, like, <laughs> me, in three stages of my life, it would be, <laughs> oh, no, if there was brothers. So if I had three brothers, sorry, that's the one. If I had three brothers, cinematic brothers, it would be <laughs> me, Jack Gleason, <laughs> McAvoy, like and Gerard <laughs> Butler. <laughs> Definitely McAvoy. I mean, you do look a lot like McAvoy. The four right? kind of look like they're from the same rough gene, the same primordial swamp, basically. If you were morphing Jack Gleason into James McAvoy, you would be like in the middle. <laughs> right, tonight I'm going to do a face swap thing. You know, the face app thing and see if it works. I mean, you are pretty much James McAvoy. I will allow that one because you look exactly <laughs> like him. <laughs> and then he got Uber Hench, and what can you do? Gerard Butler, who on earth do you think you are? That's outrageous. <laughs> we both have round heads. That's the thing. <laughs> and he'd be the eldest heads. brother in the equation. <laughs> we both have heads. Ah, <laughs> 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 right. Where were we? There's a commune. Everyone's yes. being indoctrinated. <laughs> <laughs> this castle. Someone yeah, wants to Basically, leave Christian Bale is David Koresh. Isn't he? <laughs> yes, yes. But these people want to go because um, yeah, they've had enough. enough. It's shit they here. Want... <laughs> <laughs> they want to go get the harvest. It never rains, by the way, in Northumbria. Probably the rainiest part of the British Isles. But they they want to go and get the the harvest in early. And um, we agreed. We're not going to do that. Um, so. Bale doesn't want them to do that. Um, but they do it anyway, those scoundrels. And a dragon comes and and blows them all up. And it's great. Yeah. I love this. I think they build the dragons up really nicely in this. And I think there's that brilliant mix of um, we've built the world. And <clears throat> I, I've... I've t- ah, yeah, right. I, I need to uh, drop back and say um, that I like the world they've built here. I, I, I'm invested in it enough. I like it. It's absolutely fine. Makes total sense. A castle against a dragon worked in the medieval times. <laughs> why not do it now? So, yeah, why not? So, yeah, of course. Uh, I think from a screenwriting sense, it makes like, isn't that cool? Um, and this belies, again, the problem that this movie has is that it's sold as something else. It's sold as this apocalyptic smackdown, which it's not. It's more of a... Um, survivalist you're thing, so right Sai. it's a survivalist yeah. movie isn't it <laughs> dig deep <laughs> yeah, that's hardly like you know call to arms is it flip it out. Um so yeah I, I, I really like all this and it totally makes sense to me I do love this. Yeah, as as I touched on, I, I do like it, it felt quite refreshing to see a post-apocalyptic film that wasn't a nuclear holocaust or a zombie yeah. film or it, it was nice to see something a bit different even though this was 
what, 20 years ago? Um, and I guess 20 years ago as well, dragons weren't really at the zeitgeist of things, were no. they? Because mm. like, this was way before Game of Thrones. Um, yeah, yeah. The TV show blew up. Uh, the books were out at this time. Yeah. But they were still quite niche, weren't they? Mm. So it wasn't... Dragons weren't really like massively popular. They were still probably seen to be quite... I don't like using the word nerdy, but like a bit, a bit more for specific corners of culture rather yes. than... The, the mass markets so it's i think it's, i think it's good i i like that i like the the post-apocalyptic dragon angle is 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 quite refreshing and pretty badass as well to be honest just it is i i totally agree with that like and it it gives like as adversaries go they're great because they're not totally fictional they're well embedded in so many cultures around the world and you can totally relate immediately to what one may or may not look like, and the designs of the dragon in this dragons in this movie are really cool and make total sense. Like to the point that you don't even question them. There's nothing about them that's stupid. Like honestly, I, I know that it's accepted science now that some dinosaurs had feathers, but it kills me inside. <laughs> so you know, like to see a dragon looking like a dragon look like from the Scaling. old stories. Yeah, 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 it's dead cool. And seeing it chasing Christian Bale on horseback and fighting tanks and stuff, that's rad. I love it. So speaking of tanks, well, I mean, um, is this where Manchester comes? In? Yes. <laughs> so right, in comes the the, the intruders are coming because they've got a very good um, uh, alarm system, which is a, a, a falcon, like a lovely hawk, just looking at it. Yeah. And uh, there's a tank coming over the top, and it just so happens to have one of the scenery chewingest dudes ever in it. And also impossibly jacked, <laughs> Matthew McConaughey, who is just magnetism in every second that he's on screen here. It's just, it's the commitment that's gone into this. Does he think this is apocalypse now? Genuinely. <laughs> this is his Colonel Kurtz, is it? He's apps. It's so above and beyond, <laughs> considering. <laughs> and he's in a funny part of his career at this stage as well. So he's been a movie star since like the mid 90s, but he's, they've never really figured out what to do with him properly. So he just bounces around. He do a rom com here, he do a sort of action movie here, a war film here and there. And then he lands in this dragon versus choppers movie. And <laughs> he's just like, right, I'll have a, I'll have a swing at this. And to be fair, McConaughey is a really good actor, but he never really found his found his groove into like the 2010s but he'd been famous since the mid 90s it's yeah, the craziest yeah. career trajectory i've ever seen he did um frailty around this time didn't he, he did yeah. which was like another serious sort of that's a really good film actually yeah he's completely unrecognizable in this isn't he yeah he's as hench as he's been in anything i think because he's he's always quite like toned but in this he's like built like he's huge he's shredded he's as well absolutely massive He's got bald head. Big, he's unrecognisable. If it wasn't, it would have took me a while to know it was him. If I if he wasn't top billing in the film, like if he yeah. just popped up halfway through, yeah. I'd be like, "Is that? Is, that is, yeah, it is." But it, yeah, it's good, unrecognisable. Um, I was, and this is why I mentioned before about um, actors going to places that you didn't expect. Alexander Siddig, who plays RJ, who is the person on the radio. Yeah. Up in the sort of the watchtower, um, he said that um, on on McConaughey's first day on set, they were all supposed to address him as Van Zant. Method. Like no one was like that. He said, <laughs> I can't remember a lot of that movie, but I do remember that we were all taken to one side and told 
if if you're everywhere near Matthew, call him Van Zant. Don't call him anything else. Um, oh, incidentally, what is Van Zant's first name? Oh, I know this. I know this. Uh, oh, Denton. Denton is correct. Denton. Denton. Denton Vance. A lovely little suburb of Manchester, so that's <laughs> <laughs> obviously where that came from. Manchester. That's why you flew into Manchester. Do you want to check out my the origins of my name in Denton? <laughs> Manchester. Um God, you say it so well. <laughs> it's Manchester. so nice to say. It feels so good. I honestly I think I might have trouble, you know, like next time Mrs. Parker says, Where are you off to tonight? Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Rob, I, I can't hear. Can I? <laughs> um, so, they, yeah, they open up the gates. Quinn is being... Um, I have to say this. He is being sort of... He's holding his own in the acting stakes, but he is he is getting a bottom trashing from Tucker here. <laughs> well, yeah, because he's got the least showy part, hasn't he? Like yes, He's just there definitely. to be like the, the sort of bland leading man. <laughs> this absolute lunatic has just walked into the movie... <laughs> At the end of the first act. And he's like, all right, okay, so this dude is a dragon slayer and I'm just like some miserable fella who lives in a castle with a load of urchins. Who's <laughs> <Right. laughs> developed a cult for them. Basically, yeah. <laughs> uh, and and um, no sooner are they in there, really, when a dragon is, you know, is in the vicinity and it's all systems go. And they've got a helicopter. It's insane. They've not seen anything in the years for twenty in the air for getting on twenty years, and um, it's driven by Isabella Skorupko of Goldeneye fame. A Bond yes, girl is flying yeah. the chopper. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Um, and she also has a American accent in this film. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> She's from the same part of America as uh, Jean Claude Van Damme's Max Walker. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know Isabella Skorupko? <laughs> so, uh, and I think this next sequence is exhilarating because it's all systems go, they're going to kill a dragon. Yeah. Mm. And I think it's, it's awesome. It's so exciting. And they use these archangels as bait. Oh, this is the, this is the most mental thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Like, we only get to see them execute their plan once and two of them die during it. <laughs> it's absolutely one absurd. of them that you have one of where one of them fully face plants into the ground. Like, just, like just... So can we just break down what the plan is for the archangels, right? So <laughs> Alex Jensen flies the chopper up and she's got like this we may as well just call them human sacrifices in the back. <laughs> and their job is when there's a dragon in the vicinity, is to jump out of the helicopter with no parachute, <laughs> right? In a little squirrel suit. So the idea is that they can glide. That's what you call them. That's what they're actually called. Yes, right. You made it sound so much more demeaning than it actually <laughs> Like a squirrel costume. <laughs> a squirrel habit. And then the, the job is, is to... One of them is bait. I should have said that first. One jumps out the chopper first and is bait for the flying, fire-breathing dragon. <laughs> he plummets towards Earth. And then his two mates jump afterwards. And their job is to throw a net over this flying dragon. <laughs> I mean, as plans go, how do you rate that plan out of ten? Well, I mean... It, 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 it's like, at best, at best, you catch and kill a dragon, but 
you, 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 everyone dies, and then at worst, you don't catch a dragon, and everyone still dies. <laughs> so yeah. it's just. I um, uh, uh, all, all, because we've never seen it before. All we really know is that it managed to get them from, you know, to Northumbria from Manchester. So I don't know. That's all we know of its success rate. But this is the thing, though. This is my big frustration with this film. It's almost like there's always like they talk about a movie that is better than the one that they're actually doing. Like, I want to see McConaughey and his lunatic crew jumping out of helicopters and netting dragons. That is a better, more exciting movie than than this version. But we only get to see it once, and as Simon eloquently puts it, one of them crashes into the floor face first, and they're all dead by the end of this out. <laughs> Oh. It's absolutely the great advert for this. How do how do you advertise for that job? I, I don't. I don't fancy I know, taking like, that. A one. few minutes later, one of the kids at the at the at the castle's like, they tell me I can be an archangel. Like, why do you want to be one of them? <laughs> hey, buddy, come here. You want to fly with me to Manchester? Jump out in a helicopter. <laughs> we go up in a helicopter. You can wear a squirrel suit. <laughs> <laughs> they do catch one, though, don't they? I mean, the plan works oh, in the end, yeah. thanks to um, yeah. Quinn stepping in. Bale. Like, yeah, Bale does step in, saves the day. Yeah. The model of this dead dragon oh, it's astonishing. is yeah. absolutely brilliant. And like it, the detail in it as well, where it's like wing, his wings are all snapped and horrible. It's amazing, and, that. And that it's like broken every bone in its body and stuff. And you're just like... Yeah, that's pretty fucking badass. Imagine being on set and seeing that. That's just it's like... lit to perfection as well. Like it's just, yeah. it's, it's a beautiful bit of uh, model making, cinema combined. I I love that. Like, um, because Bale, like they've got all that meat, haven't they? I mean, I don't know what dragon meat tastes like, but this, there's your protein, boys. Get yeah, stuck yeah. In. Get your patties going for your burgers. Oi, Creedy, we're eating tonight, and we're eating the fucking gym. <laughs> <laughs> Creedy is Jerry B's character, by the way. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, Completely underserved in this movie. If they only knew, like they're like like giving all the best bits to Bale and McConaughey when the real powerhouse is just there, the power behind the throne. <laughs> James, I love it. <laughs> is it fair to say that um, Jerry B is your Van Damme to me? Oh yeah, I've, I think I've said that already. Like twenty twenty one has really turned me around on Jerry B. I don't know if it's just because I've been locked in my house for the last two months. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's a party going on because they bought down a dragon. Um, just very quickly on the dragon being bought down. I love that. The Van Zant behind the great big harpoon thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as soon as he sees, he doesn't even see the dragon. He fires because he knows that fifty yards behind, kind of thing. And boom, goes yeah. up. Dragon comes down. It's a super effects are all great. Um, but yeah, absolutely, the dragon on the ground is the absolute. Woo! They're having a party. They're all on Creedy's moonshine. Um, and this is such an incredible speech from Van. <laughs> it really is. Though. He's crying while he's delivering <laughs> yeah. it to the nation who brings heroes. I pity the country that needs them. You know, because they've come over here like flipping out, talking about going for a for a duty on the chips. Yeah, oh, goodness me, <laughs> taking a great big shit in everybody's cornflakes. Like, <laughs> get that down, yeah. <laughs> 
It's outrageous. Captain Buzzkill over here. Outrageous. <laughs> These people have been living in this castle for 15 years. Like, the sun never shines because there's ash everywhere. So they're having a bit of fun for the first time ever, most likely, <laughs> apart from when Jerry and Christian decide to put on some Star Wars Amdram. That's it. This is the highlight of their lives. And he comes in and absolutely decimates the good time. You disgust me. <laughs> so good. Do you honestly think that, like, when the director was doing this, like, it's like an incredible performance. Like Rob Bowman's like behind the camera. Is like, does he know this is Rain of Fire and not like? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is is he crying? Yeah. Does is he think he's going to win an Oscar for this? He's crying. <laughs> <laughs> so good. He's he does go all it. in. He does it's bring proper everything. above I can't, and beyond. I can't, can't fault it. And it's so good. And that investment that he places in the film does elevate the film for me. It does, yeah, because, it, uh, it does, yeah. Because he's, yeah. he's, he's completely watchable. Oh, every I mean, minute, I'm, I'm in. I love Bale a lot, but Quinn could have been played by anybody and it would have been Yeah, a it's lot. quite a but, bland role, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it is. But yeah. McConaughey is just so watchable and just so magnetic in... in the way he looks, as well as how he's, yeah, how he puts the himself across. The intensity of his look, as well. as well, isn't it? The way he, as a camera presence, he is astonishing. He, he's the reason this film is watchable. I think one of them. Well, <laughs> one. <laughs> well, now James is watching it for Jerry B. So, uh... <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there's a heartbreaking moment coming up for me. So, oh, I don't want you to make light of it because it really hit me like a ton of bricks. <laughs> Before that moment, they um. They basically have differing views on how the plan should go, don't they? So yes. Van Zandt wants to go to London because he's got this theory that this is where the big bad is. His theory is that there's one male dragon who's bigger than all the ones they've been killing so far have been female dragons. And they're like fish where just you only need one to just fertilize all these eggs. So he wants to go to London to kill this big, bad man dragon. But Quinn disagrees with that tactic. He just thinks it's futile and... It, um, is he a bit of a coward because that's where his mum died and he doesn't want to go back to it's too upsetting? Yeah. Is that partly why he doesn't want to do it as well? I don't know. He just, wants his, <laughs> no he just loves his life. He's got a cosy life of harrowing prayers, eating dirt, <laughs> <laughs> pumping iron with Jerry B and cowering from fire-breathing beasts. Like, And he likes it. It's just his life. He enjoys it at this point. <laughs> But they have a they have a punch up, don't they? Oh, they do. I mean, it took a while, but McConaughey finally takes his shirt off. Yeah. Oh, he's insane, isn't he? Like, I know Bale's one making all the noises. Like, I'll kill ya! I'll kill ya! But the one I'm looking at is like, you ain't, you ain't. Look at that dude, and he's, he's all so like sinew, and there's nothing on his face. It's super. Actors investing in material that they other actors might not deem worthy enough i don't i'll just love that that's great yeah it is it as you say it's completely above and beyond the call of duty because oh, he's, say, yeah yeah say what you want about it he's not phoning it in and most actors would at his level would have phoned this in completely because it's you know it's he's only in about maybe 20 minutes of the whole movie you know if you actually add yeah. up his he doesn't turn yeah, up until yeah. half an hour in and then he's in maybe 10 scenes or what have you but he he really goes for it. Proper swing to the fences, and he seems to be really invested. <laughs> it's super. They fall out about the the plan, and Quinn thinks it's a suicide mission that's going to get everyone killed. He's got a fair point to be mm. fair. He really does, yeah. So Van Zant goes it alone with a few of the people, 
from uh, Quinn's Castle. Why were we not calling it Quinn's Castle before? Like, <laughs> we should have been. It, a, it sounds like a CBeebies show. <laughs> um, so the chums from Quinn's Castle head out with Van Zandt. It's an ambush by the big one. The big dude massacres everyone except for Van Zandt, which is convenient. And then um, <laughs> who does some slow-mo shotgun. Imagine um, using a shotgun on a dragon. What a waste of energy <laughs> of everybody's time. He tells everyone he's been fighting them for years. Well, don't use that. You know it don't work. And he goes back. and But brilliantly, he tells Quinn, I was wrong. Mm. I love that. That's great. That's a character. Yeah, they're both mutually respectful of one another now, aren't they? Because it's like, right, yeah. I, you've got the brains and I've got the brawn and we can actually take this down if we work together. But Quinn, you need to grow some cojones because <laughs> we're not going to get it otherwise. And they hop in the chopper. This is the best, most sensible bit. They hop in the chopper and go to London via the coast. Amazing. It must be a lovely trip. Uh, you know, <laughs> right round East Anglia, all the cliffs, lovely. Lovely views. Well, to see to see that all the uh, how all the country is now burning. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. For a reminder of what an absolute apocalypse we're all yeah. in. Nigel Farage still looking for dinghies are coming across. <laughs> <laughs> Livid. <laughs> Furious. <laughs> <laughs> I was just imagine him in his post-apocalyptic clothes. <laughs> post-apocalyptic mustard trousers. That couldn't have survived as well, like a fucking cockroach. He, he would well, he'd have definitely well. dug deep like a cockroach. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, London. And then, all, obviously, I mean, obviously, it's dead easy then to get... Oh, we've totally skipped over Jerry's death. I can't believe oh, you're doing sorry, him dirty sorry. like this. We did that out of respect for you, James. We didn't want to... We... We didn't want to bring yeah, up the bad memories it of it, James. No, but obviously, the, basically, the dragon knows that Matthew McConaughey has come from Quinn's castle because it's clever like that. It flies straight to the castle. miles north again. Yeah. yeah. And basically sets the castle on fire and poor old Jerry B is, is caught in the crossfire, isn't he, as everyone's cowering underneath. There's an amazing shot, though, where the dragon's on top of the castle yeah. breathing fire yeah. into the castle itself and it it's looks amazing. like a, a an album cover for a heavy metal band <laughs> from the 70s yeah. like, loaf. Every, every <laughs> shot of this movie should look like this i don't understand what's going yeah, on yeah 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 so i think that the aesthetic of the movie when the dragons are involved is great yeah. just arguably not enough of what was promised and i think this is where the the film ultimately has its detractors because i think if you re- repackage this film I.e. don't package it like you did in the first place. <laughs> it's this huge war between humanity and dragons. Because it's not that. Yep. It's, it's a survivalist piece. That word you said before, Cy, resonates so much now. If you if, can imagine it, right, let's imagine a trailer and it's Christian Bale in a castle and he's all haggard, hench, obviously, um, <laughs> indoctrinating kids with terrible prayers. And um, you'd be like, what is this? What is this? And then, and then it was a bit more about like, oh, I've got to go out in the fields and got to get all the, you know, harvesting and all this kind of stuff. And if you, if you, if you put their troubles and their lives at the focus, rather than the apocalypse that you've suggested of the, <clears throat> the promotional material, suddenly this film is a much more interesting promise for me, much more interesting. And and you keep the scale so much lower, 
and yeah, it's, and then eventually in the trailer you'd see a dragon, and you're like, oh my god, this is amazing. Yeah, but it, it's interesting that because, like you say that, Rob, because at the time a lot of the problems are you don't see how the apocalypse happens, it skips it over it, except like Mitzal said. But then nowadays when you get these apocalyptic films, that's the things they praise about them. Like, say, The Road, for instance, where mm-hmm. it's, um, mm. and the, you know, the, the Cormac McCarthy book where it's like, oh, it's great how you don't ever know what it is. And like The Last of Us games, you never get how it got to the apocalypse. It's just already happened. Mm. And that's something that these films get praised about nowadays. Yeah. So it's it's quite interesting that, yeah, that it was such an issue at the time that we didn't see this bombast war between dragons and humans and ultimately because he says it at the start like it's the humans basically just bomb the shit out of each other because they missed the dragons they were just really crap at fighting them if if the but if if, again if this whole film had been packaged differently the reviewers and the audience wouldn't have been as disappointed exactly Exactly. i I agree i agree agree. mick Mick gives that zero because he's disappointed he wanted to see dog fights smackdown yeah yeah, 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 yeah. and you can't blame him because that was what well that's what's on the sodding poster (laughs) that's it same here this is we had the same thing with the frightness didn't didn't we you know where a film was absolutely mismarketed same with jennifer's body film being absolutely mismarketed Mm. yeah that seems to be the trend isn't it if you don't market the film correctly or if you would mismarket and missell it then it's ultimately mm. going to lead to poor reviews disappointment and ultimately poor box office because you're not getting the product you were promised yeah um but they do end up in london there aren't any choppers in the sky Sam. no but there are a lot of dragons and there is a dragon that looks like it's bigger than london flying over it <laughs> when that dragon appears i literally was like oh my word we're here now we're this is it but it wasn't that big no. Well, it wasn't when he was in the sky, but when they got down to the ground, it needed to be able to go in and out of buildings <laughs> and stuff. So. I, that's the thing. You know when um, the, 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 the literally the shape of the big baddie in movies changes yeah. and the dimensions, um, it gets kind of hard to take seriously a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I would, uh, I, I'll bat for it in the sense that um, everyone thinks the Houses of Parliament and Big Ben is massive and it's really not. So it might be a case of that as well. Like the, yeah, the people, yeah. they, they've got the scaling a bit wrong of Big Ben, maybe. I don't know. Cause maybe, yeah. Whenever tourists come and see it, they always go, oh, is that it? It's tiny. Because it is. It's really small. It's, I mean, it's, not, it's not big at all. <laughs> but I do love the, uh, the shoot location of this last bit. Yes, I, it's amazing. I thought it, it? looks amazing. Where they, where they found this? Or, well, I know, was going to ask, does anyone have any info on this set? They must have built it, I think. Surely they must have built it because there's a lot of coverage being shot, isn't there? And, there is, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, and all, I mean, they're in and out of this set as well, all over the place. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's a little. It's almost like a um, a map, isn't it? Within like a first person shooter, or it is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's got different levels and yeah, different yeah. things you can climb up. Big chimneys. It just looks great. And then you, I mean, you get the establisher of this is London with a destroyed Big Ben. And then it looks like that you you kind of see a, a little bit of Nelson's column, so it's like oh we're back in Trafalgar Square, which is where the tube station at the beginning was, I think. Um, so that brings it back to this nest bit. But it's I think it's quite good how they they've only used those two tiny bits to go oh yeah this is London and then just shot it in this destroyed place, which looks ace. It just looks great, I think. I agree with you. I think it's really great, and I think the movie overall looks great. 
Giving it its props. Yeah, it looks great. we should give it a, a shout out to the cinematographer, uh, yeah. Adrian Biddle, who shot Aliens, Thelma and Louise and Viva Vendetta. So, nice. you know, oh, wow. a real top, uh, top-notch cinematographer. Nice. The grade's good as well, because, I mean, it, it, like, it's all really grey and dull and horrible, and it just makes the orange of the dragon fire all the more striking when yeah. it goes against that really yeah. dull, grey, depressing world they're all <laughs> living in. Yeah, I suppose, in the sense, that would be the, the brightest colour you'd ever see. You know, if you were living in that world, you know... Yeah, very cool. Because you don't see the sun anymore, do you? Because it's just full of smoke. It's just ash in the air, isn't there? Yeah. yeah, it's just like a gross smog everywhere, I'd imagine. So cool. Um, again, conceptually, super cool. Yeah, they all all the little urchins are always going up to bail, like, I'd ever cheat the sun, governor! because <laughs> <laughs> we're always digging. It's because we're always digging, Jimmy. <laughs> But I've got my eyes open all the time and I've never seen it. <laughs> uh, they come up with a plan. Oh, brilliant moment. McConaughey says to uh, Bale, um, you lead, we follow. Lovely. The turnaround yeah, there. Yeah. Dead lovely. Love all that. I, uh, like That's like, um, you know, if anyone was thinking uh, Van Zandt was... A duplicitous character, he isn't at all. There's, no. there's not like that. He's a dude. And they decide to, yeah, go fight this thing on the ground on its home turf. Um, Bale comes face to face with the lift again that he had problems yeah. with earlier. <laughs> it's very much the hero's journey 101. It is, isn't it? Yeah, it really is, yeah. Um, and um, yeah, they come with the plan with, involving some like exploding ye arrow things yeah basically when it goes to breathe fire shoot it with one of these c4 tipped arrows and that'll that'll do it in ignite and blow him up yeah yeah uh so the dragon um yeah comes in van zandt goes really high he's the bait which is yeah he's the bait he shoots at it doesn't get very far so he dives off with his great big axe no is this one of the best deaths that we've had in in the movie that we've done Nearly, one hundred percent. Nearly, it is. Nearly. It's, it's up there with Travolta. It's a very good one. It's a broken very good horror one, nearly, yeah. because it's just so it's so built up, right? Like, yeah. is, does he know he's sacrificing himself? Is it a distraction? Does he plan on being eaten? Because I remember watching this in the cinema. It's like he, he like lures the dragon to him, and he's like, and he jumps off this. Uh, off the smokestack, doesn't he? With uh, with this huge axe, and he's like, "He's gonna chop his head off! He's gonna chop his head off!" And then the dragon just eats him and flies away. <laughs> Such an anticlimax! <laughs> I can't believe that they've got Matthew McConaughey in this movie. They give top billing, and this is the way he goes out. <laughs> Do you think in the script it says that he dives off the smokestack and chopped up the? It might off be. the dragon's head and then in post they've just gone no he eats him and then Quinn actually deals with the dragon what would be better is if you know because we all know that what happens here you know fast forward the dragon comes back um, Quinn and Alex sort of outsmart it Quinn does a brilliant dive behind a wrecked bus comes back out he's got a lovely C4 tipped arrow fires it down his throat great shot boom yeah, the dragon blows up. Now, wouldn't it be absolutely lovely if the dragon's carcass, you know, like or its head or whatever, and they found the axe embedded in its head, and Quinn would have said something like, "You got a bugger after all," or something like that, you know, like <laughs> that kind of thing. And I'd be like, "Yeah, Matthew, 
Yeah, Denton. <laughs> to be fair, that would have been the level of dialogue in this end scene because Alex Jensen has perhaps the line of the movie after they've killed the dragon to where she comes up to him and goes, he thought you could do it, and you did. Yeah, that's, a, that's a fair summation of the last five right, minutes. Seth, yeah. right, Seth, thank you. I've just watched that, but thank you for making it clear to me. I, I um... Poor, poor actress. How are you supposed to deliver that line? It's just... I thought she was really underserved in the last 15 minutes of this film because she's been paid, you know, pegged as this, she's this, Badass fighter pilot, yeah. and she's just someone who literally they 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 reduce her to moaning through the last few sections and whining through yeah. the idea. And it's not she's gone from a, a, a strong female character to uh, just, just part of the scenery, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. And she's like they're like really brave, and she's like bricking it. She would be. They should all be bricking it. There's a massive dragon knocking about. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. That killed that killed Quinn's mum. He's here for revenge. Exactly. <laughs> As if, but if you're going to let these guys not brick it, at least let her not brick it as well. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's it's a bit, uh, yeah, it's not right that. But um, nevertheless, job done. They go back to Northumbria, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we're at the end of the movie. The credits roll here. Mm. Two of the greatest ever post-credits songs oh. of all time here. Can we? Well, this is this was the only thing I like really remembered about this film was the music at the end <laughs> MTV2 all the time so oh, yeah. specific boom, to the boom, era wasn't man. it yeah uh, Mad at Gravity with the uh, the band uh, after seeing this movie I went out and bought their album superb yeah strength <laughs> yes, yes and I feel like we can say this because we were actually around in this era and we grew up during this area, but but all of those new metal bands, I've, I've forgotten the name of that one. It's quite emo sounding already. Um, they all sound exactly the same. Really like do. it could be any of them. It could have been Huberstank. It could have been <laughs> Trap. <laughs> Edema. Yeah, you yeah. remembered Huberstank though. <laughs> it's a great song though. <laughs> it's, it's, it's flipping is the baseline unbelievable. The weight of production as well, excellent uh, for this sort of material. Gents, aside from. The end credit songs. Can I get your best bits of Rain of Fire, please? <laughs> I actually love that shot of. Uh, I know we've kind of the the anticlimactic nature of it all, but I love the shot that precedes it when McConaughey dives at the dragon. Oh, underneath the underneath one. Slow. It just goes super slow-mo. It kind of looks like a video game, really. <laughs> but it's just like, he's just there about to hit it with the axe and he's just proper gnarly face. Uh, it just looks wicked. <laughs> it's just, I was yeah. so into that bit. It's a very, like, superhero moment, but it yeah. do- doesn't end out. As, it doesn't turn out as well as it does in the superhero movies. <laughs> but yeah, I love that bit. James, what about you? So, um, yeah, my favourite shot of the movie is when the uh, pissed-off dragon goes back and lays, breathes fire all over Quinn's castle. And obviously, unfortunately, Jerry Butler's uh, tragic death. Um, but my actual favourite moment is Buzzkill Van San at the party. <laughs> <laughs> and it's mainly because of the delivery of the following line. But you go ahead, have your little... Soiree. Personally, you disgust me. <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. Talk about killing the mood at a party. Honestly, James, I've never had um, been given a surprise party. But if I had, that would be my immediate reaction. 
<laughs> Go ahead. At the door. Have your little have soiree. Your little soiree. <laughs> I'm up to Manchester. <laughs> Manchester. Um, I think my favourite bit is, um, I do absolutely love that, um, the physical model they built of the dragon. I just, yeah, that was really I, good. I really want to see if there's any behind-the-scenes snaps of that, because somewhere there must be some amazing footage of that. Um, but um, no, my actual favourite moment of the film is one where it just made me laugh so much, because it's so British what happens. So we obviously know Bailey's British because you've got the, the Texas stroll of McConaughey, you've got the Britishness of Bale's Cockney, and Isabella Skorupko walks into the kitchen of the, the, <laughs> the castle and Christian Bale says... If you're after coffee, I've just put a fresh pot on. <laughs> just quick hot drink, settle everyone down. It's fine. <laughs> so good. Um, and then she says, uh, I'm after a whetstone. Good answer. Like that very much. And then he's got one. <laughs> just casually, I've got one. That's yeah, fine. Don't worry. Sharpen your knives. Fascinating. <laughs> Absolutely great. Uh, right. Reign of Fire. Uh, for your reconsideration, would anyone like to go first? I feel bad, but it's a no from me, to be honest. So I've seen this film twice now, once on original release and again this week. And on both occasions, I've been really looking forward to it. And it just just doesn't land for me. The central idea could work as a fun summer blockbuster if it wasn't so self-serious. And it's pretty dreary as well, for the most part. Uh, There are moments when it threatens to become enjoyable. For instance, if the film was about nutcases jumping out of choppers to drop nets on dragons, I'd be down with that. But we only get one sequence of that. Instead, we have to spend three quarters of the movie knocking around a castle with a miserable Christian Bale and Fagin's (laughs) band of ragamuffins. (laughs) I think a lot of the acting outside of the main three is like Amdram level. And while there are some nice sequences peppered throughout and a hilariously above and beyond performance from McConaughey, it just never catches fire for me, which is ironic, given the title. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Very good. Very good. Si, would you like to go? Yeah. um, Yeah, kind of similar, really. Uh, Despite, like, a rip-roaring, incredible lead performance from uh, McConaughey uh, and a surprisingly refreshing post-apocalyptic look and feel, I just felt there was like a little something missing here in the prospects of where this film could have gone in comparison to where it actually went. Like James said, it did have like flashes of really good, excellent action bits, um, but it just could have done with a bit more of an adventurous punch. Um, but it all just felt a bit unspectacular uh, on the whole for me, uh, sadly. I would, however, though, I, I would like to see the idea sort of I know people don't like things being rebooted, but I would actually like to see this tackled again. Um, that is such a good idea, Sai. Like, why remake a good movie? Remake one that didn't really work. Yeah, on. right. You're and right, guys. Exactly. Like, with a, with a modern mindset and sort of, you know, with the leaps in television, you might get some out of this idea. Because I think there's a good idea in there. It's just it was sort of put out a bit. A bit blandly in the end. Um, it's all about tone, isn't it? I think, really. I think yeah. you, with this, because inherently it's a little bit silly, the idea, you need to sort of get that measure between stakes and acknowledging that, you know, humans fighting against dragons in the modern world is a, is a inherently a little bit on the silly side. And you have to get that measurement right. And what I always find with this one is that it's just like, it's really, really quite bleak. 
for the most part. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is. It's very true. Um, I do agree with you both to a huge extent. I still take a lot from this. I love the concept, essentially the idea of a post-apocalyptic world uh, where dragons have taken over and humans are eking out a living is super and I'm all for that. And they come up with a way of break, you know, breaking it down and uh, taking the planet back, I suppose. Um, but I don't think that last bit, taking the planet back, is explored enough or at all. Um, I think there are huge problems here with the narrative of the film um i think after an hour the film loses direction entirely i really do and it's funneled towards a showdown that i don't think the film has earned at all but that said i think it's more about missed opportunities this the the idea is sound they had so much good stuff in this so much great stuff the effects are great the set is great all the locations are great the look of the movie is great the concept is great so many of the sequences are great that both involve humans and dragons they're all great it's just on a story level it stumbles for me in that last half an hour because i don't think it's earned any of what goes on to happen and it feels tapped together it feels thrown together just as a, a suggestion wouldn't it be so much better if at the hour mark, Van Zant and Quinn put together a merry band to make the journey down to London and the second hour of the movie was that journey down to London for the confrontation with the big bad mm. and all the story along the way. I think that would be a much, much more... I'd invest so much more in in that than them suddenly being in London and suddenly having this fight with this ultra dragon. Yeah. That's it. Feels like um, an afterthought at this point in the film. Yeah, they they've got they've got this great concept. They just haven't fleshed it out as well as it could have been. I think on the whole. Well, and I think they've sold it on the great concept that they've not worked out yet, um, and they've just not been able to deliver on it at all. That said, I've said what I need to about the story style here and the storytelling and stuff, and where I felt it fell down. Where I feel it really stands up is all those things I've. I've also also mentioned. So like the the effects, brilliant. McConaughey is absolutely off the scale, amazing. Um, why are people not dressing up as Van Zant at costume parties? I've got no idea. You'd need six months in the gym, solid, just to get anywhere. <laughs> well, it's it. April. Start now. That's the <laughs> message. Um, there's so much to enjoy, and what? Yeah, in our private chat this week, one of you know we were talking about how. The, the songs at the end are a marker of the time it was made. And as a artefact of the time it was made, I really like it. I still really like it. It's hugely flawed. But then again, we all know on this podcast that my taste is terrible. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm going to say yes. If you like dragons and you like A-list stars going bada bing, bada boom, you, you, you might get something from this. But don't expect your um, conceptions on life to be reworked. Yeah. Um, so, gents, what have we got next? Deep Blue Sea next week. We're going to get yes, to see... it is. Another cheap, high-profile death. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers for that if you haven't seen it before. I cannot <laughs> Might have to cut wait. that bit out, so... <laughs> I 
<laughs> cannot wait for it's this. really old everyone's seen deep blue sea <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you very much fellas it's been brilliant to spend another saturday evening with you thank you all for listening please tune in next time for deep blue sea simon's pick cannot wait and uh, give us the five stars on your subscription service of choice hit us up on the twitters with anything you want not abuse please and we will see you next time thank you very much keep it Keep it. I need to keep it clean. <laughs> Take it easy. Keep it clean. <laughs> keep what clean? I don't know. <laughs> keep your overall person. We're all about hygiene. Keep it clean. <laughs> what I would like to say to the listeners is keep one eye on the sky. <laughs> <laughs>